0: Welcome to Bed Crime Stories Podcast. I'm your host, T. I'm wishing you all a happy Sunday. Hope everything's great where you are. I wanted to quickly share some updates in the case against Rex Huerman, the accused serial killer. Court TV spoke with Asa Ellerop. She's Huerman's wife, outside the Huerman's home. Clearly, Ellerop is just surviving. She made a big sigh when asked how her children were doing, and I think that says it all. I heard that she said she never thought anything was amiss with her husband. That life with him was good. I wonder if as time goes by and she has some distance from all of this, if she will look back and realize that there were some signs. Her children, by the way, now have their own lawyer and it's been said that they're considering lawsuits because of the way law enforcement has treated them, their home, their belongings. More people are also speaking out about Rex Huerman, Each weekday, he used to take an hour-long train from Massapequa Park to Manhattan, and because of his impossible-not-to-notice height and overall size, regulars on the train recognized him immediately as a guy who liked to sort of tell other people how to behave on the train. Huerman, who was bullied in school, grew into a giant of sorts who was then able to turn the tables through his intimidating size and stare. The New York Times also spoke to more of Heuerman's former schoolmates who attended Burner High School in Massapequa Park with him. The overall impression is that of a loner. The article reads, quote, was a reclusive teen at Burner's margins, sidestepping hallway society a stranger to the cool kid cafeteria tables. The schoolmates who remembered Hewerman said that his face has hardened over time, and his once gawky frame is now hulking. They noticed that his goofy eyeglasses are gone, but he still has his mop of hair. Some of the classmates described him as a victim, but one with a mean streak. They said his home life was difficult, but his school life was worse. He was a loner and also a target. The Burner High School was described in the article as a squat tan brick structure on the edge of town that 40 years ago students traveled to by their Schwinn bikes or Camaros. The article says, quote, and its social groups had rituals. The jocks took trips to the beach and hung out at All-American Hamburger Drive-In, the burnouts had Zappa Woods, which was described as a leafy hideaway where they could smoke weed and blast Led Zeppelin and The Doors. My kind of music. However, Rex Huerman didn't fit in with either of those groups. He was unathletic and uncool and remained an outcast. Surprisingly, Huerman joined the drama club As a stagehand, after graduation, Rex continued to be distant from his former classmates. That's not surprising. If he wasn't really accepted, why would he want to go to reunions, join the Facebook groups? Of course, while these events were going on, Hewerman allegedly was busy contacting escorts and allegedly doing in at least three of them that we know of. The article went on to say that Rex's struggles started early. He grew up with three older sisters and one younger brother, Craig. His father, Ted, was an aerospace engineer who enjoyed specialty woodworking, a hobby Rex picked up, although by the two-by-fours holding up the front porch of the home, he doesn't look like a very artful woodworker. A classmate said Rex clashed with his father, who was tough on him for not being a go-getter. And in response, Rex acted out. One time he got caught shoplifting and his father, Ted, died right when he was on the cusp of moving from a young boy to an adolescent. After the father's death, all five kids were raised alone by their mother, Dolores, who is still alive and now 93 years old. Another friend said, Rex preferred to stay home during high school and opted out of a social life. The classmates also said Rex didn't have the social skills to hold a conversation and was a weird character. After graduating, Rex spent several years doing part-time cleaning and maintenance at Jones Beach, which is several miles west of Gilgo Beach. He also frequented Tobe Beach. Note that some of the dismembered remains of the newly identified Jane Doe number no. 7, an escort named Karen Vergata, were found along Tobe Beach on Fire Island, namely her legs, which had several distinctive scars on her left. Ankle. Other remains were found on Gilgo Beach, namely her skull. Vergata's torso and her hands were never found. Could Hewerman's part time job at Jones Beach have enabled him to familiarize himself with all of these beaches and islands? And does this hint at Hewerman possibly being the person who did in Vergata? He later went to college at New York Institute of Technology on Long Island to study architectural technology. At some point, he started his own business in Manhattan as an architectural consultant. He bought his family home from his mother in the 1990s, and one neighbor Hewerman spoke to was Etienne de Villiers. Villiers' immaculate house is next to the Hewerman's not-so-immaculate house. De Villiers has said he only had passing conversations with Huerman. A few minor conflicts. One time he had to tell Rex to stop staring at his wife who was sunbathing in the backyard. Rex apparently was looking over the back fence. De Villiers was described as watching Hewerman raise his kids to be as isolated as he was in the same rundown house. De Villiers said that when Hewerman's daughter Victoria got her driver's license, he wanted to tell her to get in her car and drive and never come back. On to Fire Island Jane Doe number 7, who we know, I just told you was finally identified. Here's how the story goes. On April 20th of 1996, a pair of female legs were found wrapped in plastic at Davis Park on Fire Island. Prior to being able to test the remains for DNA, investigators had been unable to identify, Jane Doe No. 7's identity. 15 years after the legs washed up on Fire Island, a woman's skull was located close to other remains along Ocean Parkway. The only thing investigators would say back then was that Jane Doe No. 7 was a white woman aged 18 to 50 years, wow, that's a wide gap, who had several scars, including evidence of surgery on her left ankle. It wasn't until twenty twenty two when investigators made a DNA profile for Jane Doe number seven and then ran it through genetic genealogy databases and they found an ant of hers and they did a buckle swab on the ant. Karen Vergata was 34 years old when she disappeared on February 14th, Valentine's Day of 1996. At the time, she was an escort living on West 45th Street in Manhattan. Before she vanished, Vergata made a call to her father to wish him a happy birthday. Guess where I was living in 1996? Yeah. Manhattan on West 51st Street. That's very scary to think how close I was to Karen Vergata. Again, a plastic bag containing Vergata's legs was uncovered at Davis Park on Fire Island's Blue Point Beach on April 20th, 1996, investigators back then were unable to identify the victim due to the remains' condition and a lack of technology. Then 15 years later, a woman's skull was found at Tobe Beach along Ocean Parkway near Gilgo Beach, which investigators believe was linked to Jane Doe number no. 7. They believed it, but they couldn't prove it at least not until 2022, when a DNA profile was created, and that's when it was entered into the genetic genealogy databases and the match to Vergata's aunt popped up. Finally, Jane Doe number 7 had her name back, Karen Vergata. What I find so strange about this case is that she had called her father just before she went missing, and yet no one ever reported Karen officially missing, to the police. Why was that? That delayed them figuring out who she was. Remember, her legs washed ashore on Fire Island in 1996 in April. She disappeared in February of 1996. It's possible they could have made a connection through the unique scars on her ankle from what appeared to be ankle surgery. I can tell from the photo of Karen that's been shared that as a child she was well cared for. At least, if we consider the way her hair was styled in ponytails with matching ribbons to the plaid outfit she was wearing, that look was very popular for young girls in the 70s. So we still don't know, though, who exactly the police believe harmed Vergata. But we now know that Rex Herman spent time on Tobey Beach on Jones Beach. He had a great awareness of all those beaches. Moving on to a different topic, a former cold case detective spoke to the New York Post, and he said that the Massapequa Preserve should be searched for remains. That detective is Joseph Giacalone, He's a retired sergeant from Long Island. Massapequa Preserve is a 430-acre expanse of trails that stretches six miles from Merrick Road to the Southern State Parkway, and it's a short walk from the home of Rex Heuerman. It connects to the low-lit two-lane Beth Page State Parkway to the north. Giancolone said, quote, there is this long dark road that you can take and you can just pull off on the side of the road, do what you want to do, get back in the car and go. Giancolone also said, no cameras, nothing like that, no traffic lights. It's an ideal place, end quote. The area is very secluded It's overgrown. It looks a lot like the marshes along Ocean Parkway where the Gilgo 4 remains were discovered in 2010. According to Gia Colone, quote, usually serial killers have a cool off period, but not 10 or 11 years. It would be kind of unheard of. So it would mean to me that the person would have to find a new place to dispose of bodies, end quote. And by the way, back in 2019, a decomposing corpse believed to be a victim of the MS-13 gang was found in the preserve, and two years earlier, two members of that same gang were charged with doing in a teenager over there. So again, the Huerman home is just half a mile from the preserve, about 15 miles from Gilgo Beach, and we know that Rex Huerman was acting predatory Just a few days before he was arrested. We know this because a young woman reported a disturbing encounter with him at Brady Park, which borders the preserve. Allie, a 25 year old from Long Island, told the Post that Hewerman approached her on July 3rd. She said, He had very dirty clothes on. He popped right out of the woods. Everywhere I went in the woods, he would pop out somewhere. This encounter left her so freaked out that she called her sister to pick her up, and she also filed a police report. She was horrified to see Hewerman be the person arrested in connection to the Gilgo Beach deaths. So this tells us that Hewerman likely was not in a cooling-off period, from 2010 all the way up until his arrest, he was still out there being predatory on female. Was he content just to chat them up at the park, or was he looking for additional victims? And will we find additional remains in the Massapequa Preserve? I'm sorry, but I have a strong feeling that the investigators will find additional remains there. It sounds like an even more ideal dumping ground for bodies. That's all for now. I hope you have a great day. Until the next time on Bed Crime Stories, do me a favor, smash the like button. It's free. Come on, it's not that hard to do. See you next time.